really happy piece of scripture. Um, That's from Ecclesiastes. We believe that's God's word, and we're going to look at what that has to say to us now. But before we do that, let's pray. Let's talk to God. Father, we thank you that you are a God that has a plan, that you are a God who is wise. And Father, we are idiots, and we need your help. Lord, as we turn to your word now, would you give us guidance? Would you give us help? Would you help us to see what the point is and how to live that out? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why bother? What is the point? Everybody here has asked that question at one point in their life or other. Uh, maybe for you it's exam season. It's the week of a big exam. You've got uh, to bed early the night before in, in order to get up at 8 o'clock on the button, start revision. Uh, you get up, get a good shower, a good full breakfast. You're talking bacon and eggs because it's revision season. You can do that. You've got your workstation set up the night before, be that your bed, your desk, your kitchen table. And for once in your life, you're actually organized. So in front of you, you've got your color-coordinated notes from the year of, of school. You've got your folders in front of you. You've got your past papers to the right that go date from 2018 all the way back to the mid-80s. To your left, you've got your newly purchased pens, uh, along with a ruler, a compass, projector, a calculator. Even though you're revising history, it's just good to be prepared. Uh, You're ready to go. You're motivated. This is going to be the time that revision actually takes place. We've all been there. Then at 9 a.m. on the button, you open the folder, You look at that first booklet that you haven't seen since September, and even though you were ready, completely motivated, and you know that you're looking at something that's written in English, it might as well be in gibberish or wingdings for all you know, because it's completely incomprehensible. Your eyes begin to squint, the clogs in your brain begin to go into overdrive, and suddenly, even though you've had 16 hours of sleep the night before, tiredness sets in. Seven minutes later, it's 9.07 a.m. Somehow, some, some way, Netflix is on. You're slumped in the corner asking yourself, why bother? What's the point? Why bother? That's the question you ask yourself when you're trying to organize something in the group chat. You get no replies, and then someone posts a meme, and they get all the replies. What's the point? Why do I bother? Uh, why bother is the question that you ask on a Wednesday morning when the alarm goes off, and still somehow you're closer to Monday morning than you are to the weekend What is the point when you look at the state of our politics and, you know, a picture on the screen right in front of you? That's not even really beyond the realms of possibility. Our politics is so bad, that's not even inconceivable. Lord Mayor Sturdy Sturdy Bell, why bother, you might think. Thanks, Philly. There is seemingly no point, no meaning, no answers to be found during your short time here on earth. And every time you say to yourself, oh, why bother? What's the point? That reveals that we actually don't believe that meaning can be found here. My job uh, this evening is just to set the stage for our series in Ecclesiastes. Henry said that over about 10 talks between now and summer, with a lot of other things thrown in along the way, we're going to be making our way through the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you haven't looked at Ecclesiastes before, it's probably unlike anything you've ever read. It's a bit weird to our eyes and ears as we read through it. It's Hebrew poetry. Um, but it's our hope here at CE that as we dig, uh, dig deeply into it over the next few months, you'll see what we know to be true. 
that Ecclesiastes helps us deal with life's big questions. Not only that, but it gives us wisdom for everyday living. And that points to Jesus Christ, who's our only hope in life or death. You'll find Ecclesiastes, as Henry said, in the Old Testament. It's right after Proverbs. If you want to go find it later, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And it's written by this geezer called the preacher, who's most likely King Solomon, the son of King David. If you want to read more about them, you go to First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, all them things. Um, Solomon, he was one of the wisest men to ever walk this earth. He was famous for his wisdom. He was also really wealthy, successful. He had everything this world had to offer. And he wrote this book, Ecclesiastes, for God's people. Which means the content of this book, the content of the stuff that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, if you're a believer, this is for you. This evening, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this book is for you, and its message is for you too. You might, especially after seeing that reading, you might be thinking, great, but why would I want a message of meaningless, meaningless, all this vanity, that life is futile? The first 11 verses of Ecclesiastes, it tells us three things about life. And I want to look at those with you. I want to see what that has to say about our lives, how we live out our lives, and how we find our meaning. First thing is this, life is short. And lads, do you want to listen? that would be really great because you're distracting everybody around you. Life is short. Um, Look look what the preacher says in verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You might think to yourself that that doesn't really sound like the Christianity you signed up for. When I signed up for Christianity, I thought I was getting meaning and life and purpose, not some sort of man screaming about how pointless everything is. That word that's translated there as vanity, or meaningless, depending on what version you use, it appears 38 times throughout Ecclesiastes. Uh, Literally, it means vapor, breath, or something that is fleeting. And within the context of the book, it refers to things that are frustrating, things that are confusing, things that are perplexing, things that are temporary, here today, gone tomorrow. Breath is probably a better way to actually translate this, to be honest, because that's the idea that the author is trying to get across. Life is fleeting. Life is, it's just like a breath. That's what life is like under the sun, as the preacher would say. That's what life is like in this broken world. When you're walking to school or work or uni, as you probably have been uh, over the past week on these freezing mornings, you will have seen your breath as you pant on your way up a hill. And it appears before your face. And it's gone. Disappears into thin air. Last night I was watching the Six Nations game between uh, France and Wales. It was in Paris. and It was absolutely Baltic there. Then every time you could see when there was a, a ruck or a scrum or a mall, if you don't know rugby, that's when all the fat people get together and have a good time to try and win the ball. Um, you, could see, you could see the vapor come up from where they were. All the heat being exerted from their bodies caused this vapor to come, but as soon as the play moved on, the vapor disappeared. And life is like that. You'll hear your grandparents, your parents, the adults in your life tell you that time flies. It moves on too quickly. And that's what the preacher's saying here. Uh, at the risk of sounding like an old fogey, it's true. I struggle to believe actually how true that is. It seems like last week that I came here to CE for the first time. Uh, and like you lads, sorry, I got shouted at as well my first night at CE. That seems just like yesterday. It seems like no time ago 
I started going out with my wife, let alone married her, uh, in the next four weeks or so, I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to be an old man with kids. Time flies. That's the first thing we've got to learn. Life is short. The second thing is this. Life is elusive. Now, you might not know what elusive means. It means impossible to get hold of. Everybody has that one friend who is elusive. Uh, The friend in your group who has yet to enter the 21st century. Their phone is never on, and if it's on, it doesn't have signal, and they're not connected to the internet. And then, no matter how many times you message them or try to get a hold of them, they don't reply, they don't pick up the phone, they leave you on two blue ticks. That's elusive, hard to get a hold of. And life as breath, or as vapor, as smoke, paints that picture of life being elusive. Like your breath in a cold winter morning that vanishes so quickly, you can't ever catch up with it. When I was a, a kid, I loved playing with matches, lighting them, letting them go out, waving them, and watching the smoke sort of disappear. And I would love to try and catch the smoke to see if I could keep it in my hand, but I couldn't. And that's what life is like. It's impossible to keep a hold of. It can't be controlled. It comes, it goes, and we're all pretty limited in our ability to completely understand it or control it at all. And that's something that you'll see that people right now don't understand. People think that they control their bodies, they can control their jobs, they can control their destinies. But life doesn't work like that. You can never fully grasp, control, or understand your life. Think of it this way. Some mornings you will wake up, you'll get out of bed, you'll feel reasonably okay, good, even. Uh, Not completely like death. You get out of bed and you'll go and have a good day for no apparent reason. And yet there are still some mornings when you wake up, you can't put your finger on it, but you feel kind of off, sad, or grumpy, but for no real reason. Ruth came home from work one day to find me and a cup of tea at our kitchen table with a face on me like a bag of frogs. And she was like, what's wrong? I said, I'm grumpy. She said, why, what happened? I said, nothing. I'm just grumpy. We have days like that, don't we? Where we're just grumpy for no apparent reason. And there's nothing you can do to control it. You can't control your day-to-day life. And you can't control the end of life either. Verse 3 on the screen asks there, What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? The question is asking is this. When it comes to the end of your life, what is a human being going to have to show for it? And the answer to that rhetorical question is nothing. At the end of this life, when you die, you won't have anything financial or material benefit to show for it because you'll be dead. You're going to die. You can't control that. Life is elusive. There's no control in it. Life is short. Life is elusive. This is all really happy stuff, I know. And life is repetitive. Verses 4 to 11 talk about this. Uh, It says this, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down, and it goes to the place where it came from. The wind blows to the south and it blows to the north. Around and round goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. Preacher's saying, the sun 
has the same old routine. It goes up and down, it rises and it sets. The wind is like a crazed dog chasing its tail round and round it goes. The water does the same old thing it does every day, that good old water cycle. He's saying, what has happened in the past? That's what's going to continue to happen until, until God comes back again. Life is repetitive. The preacher says in verse 9, what has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. He's saying this, the people, people are like the sun. People are like the wind. People are like the water. People do the same thing, the same things that people have done since time began. We all do the same thing all the time. We're stuck in the same old cycle that can't be avoided here on earth. Even with all the technology that we have at our hands, we still live pretty much in the same way that people did even thousands of years ago when Ecclesiastes was written. You all came into this world as a wee baby. You've grown up, at least most of you have to some degree. You'll get an education of sorts. You'll make friends. You'll lose friends. You might fall in love or fall out of love get a job, maybe you'll have family, kids, and eventually you're going to get to old age, you're going to retire, and then you'll die. And it's always been that way. And it always will be that way. Old people in your life might say, oh, the world is so different now than when I was your age. And at the risk of offending dear old Cynthia, who says that it's not, it's all pretty much the same, only in a different way. The preacher says, the generation goes, a generation comes, but what happens on earth stays the same. Nothing changes. It just repeats itself. Life is short. Life is elusive. Life is repetitive. What's all this mean for you and me? At this stage, you might be expecting me to turn around and say something like, but not if you're a Christian. But the preacher in Ecclesiastes is one of God's people addressing God's people So that doesn't really work, does it? And you and I know for a fact life is short, even if we're Christians. We know people are pets that have passed away. You find it hard to believe you're at that stage that you're at in life now, whether it's your last year of Killikameen, your last year of the senior high, the last year of Portland College, maybe even in your last year of university. Life is short. You thought you had loads of time to decide what you're going to do with your life, but you're finding out now you don't. And you're probably discovering, actually, with the choices I've made, I've probably limited my choices as well. Life is elusive. I don't really get to decide what I'm going to do to a certain degree. And you know that life is repetitive. Life as you live it is repetitive. You have a series of alarms that you hit snooze on every weekday morning until you get to that glorious Saturday lion. But before you know it, it's Sunday night and the alarms are set again. What does this all mean for us? Well, the first 11 verses of Ecclesiastes, they're just the foundations for the rest of the book. They're setting the stage for what we're going to discover between now and June. We're going to learn so much more about this as we make our way through this incredible book. But the message of the first 11 verses, David Gibson says, is this. Stop pretending. Here's what that means. 
Have you, have you ever played a game of uh, pretending with a kid? Maybe uh, someone in crash, a, a nephew, a niece, someone in your church, and you pretend you're in their kitchen, and they fill up their plastic cups with imaginary tea, and they bring it to you, and you drink this tea up, and you go, ooh, that was very delicious. Can I have some more? And it goes on and on and on. And while it's cute at first, after about 45 minutes, you're ready to bring this tedious game of pretend to a close. People in, in this world you and me included, are caught up in playing a big, stupid game of let's pretend. And that's why we find ourselves screaming, why bother? We pretend that life isn't short, as the preacher says, that life isn't elusive, that life isn't repetitive. And when that illusion is shattered, we get frustrated. We think and we tell ourselves time and time again, if we get a certain set of exam results, we'll be happy, we'll leave a legacy. We think if we get into a certain course or school or university, we're going to get some satisfaction. If we get into that relationship with the right person, we'll finally feel complete. If we have more money, we'll finally feel satisfied. If we get more stuff, we'll finally feel comfortable. We need to stop playing pretend. We need to stop pretending that life isn't short that life isn't elusive, that life isn't repetitive. That's what life is, and it ends in death. Maybe the point of Ecclesiastes and of life in general is this. We need to understand how short life is and how real death is to understand how to live. A pastor called Johnny McGreevy says this, the majority of pastoral issues, so people having problems, especially with Christianity, the majority of pastoral issues that he deals with in his church, they come from people expecting things that were meant for eternity, but they want them now. They want ultimate satisfaction. They want complete pleasure. They want final fulfillment. We want those things. We were designed to find um, that meaning we were all longing for. Except we weren't designed to find that this side of eternity. David Gibson says, when we get frustrated with life's repetitiveness, shortcomings, and disappointments, whether that's in school, relationships, or with work, it's because we wrongly think that life shouldn't be like this for us. Why do we get so easily annoyed when we're called into work a couple hours on a, early on a Saturday morning? Why do we get so annoyed when we're given the homework over the weekend? Why do we get so annoyed when our ma goes bucked off at us to tidy our bedrooms? But why do, we, why do we get so annoyed when people don't like us? It's because we're pretending that life isn't actually what it is. We're pretending that life was for us to be fully satisfied now. Summing up this chapter, David Gibson says this. There is no gain to be had under the sun in this life. That's precisely the point. None need be sought. See, when we're tempted to give up, when we're tempted to scream about the pointlessness of our existence or give in to feeling completely overwhelmed, we need to remember the message of Ecclesiastes, which is this. The very fact that you are weary and tired and disappointed with this life is pointing you to Jesus Christ as the only one who can satisfy your weary soul. Jesus Christ is your only chance at finding peace, or life, or meaning, or fulfillment in this world. 
But even if you follow him, that does not make you immune from the realities of life. You know, even as a follower of Jesus, you will feel frustrated with life. You will get annoyed. You will get perplexed. But as a follower of Jesus, you can answer that frustration and you can know with deep, unshakable certainty that because you are united to your Savior's perfect life through trust and faith in what he has achieved for you on the cross, dying to unite yourself to him, if you repent of your sins and believe in him, you will live a life free of disappointment forever with him. A life that is not short or repetitive. A life that is full of joy forever. This life and its frustrations will not last forever. They will come to an end. And then, if you're in Jesus, you will live in the world that you were created to live in. A new and better world face to face with Jesus Christ, your Savior and your God. Why bother? What's the point? Those are questions you will ask. What's the answer? Well, you're only here for a short time. A short, short time that God will use you in. So make the most of it. And make the most of it for Jesus. Knowing that here and now is not where ultimate satisfaction and full completeness is found. So stop looking for it here. Stop pretending. Stop looking for meaning in the here and now because you won't find it. But look to Jesus and live for him and look forward to forever with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who has created us for yourself. That you are a God who has placed us on this earth for a short time for a time that we can't control, for a time that will be repetitive. And Father, when we're tempted to get annoyed and frustrated with how things aren't going the way we have planned, would you help us to remember that this isn't our home. If we belong to Jesus, this is not where we are to find our satisfaction and our meaning. We are to find it in him and that we will know that definitely forever in glory with you. Father, help us as we navigate this confusing, perplexing life. Help us to find our faith in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if you all just want to stand as we sing again.